You are Locked On Rockets, your daily Houston Rockets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Survive and advance. The Rockets clearly did not have their best stuff on Sunday evening in Dallas. Chris Paul and James Harden shooting just to combine 9 of 36, 25% from the field, but led by another strong defensive effort. Yes, this Rockets team that all season long has been the best in the NBA on the offensive end and one of the worst on defense. It's their third consecutive game to hold an opponent below 100 points. Chris Paul got the walk-off win with a block at the buzzer of Jalen Brunson. And the Rockets escape Dallas with a 94-93 win, marking their eighth consecutive victory, improving them to 41-25 and on the year, and a season-best 16 games over 500. now alone in possession of the number three seed in the Western Conference, and only three games back in the lost column of the Denver Nuggets, which the Rockets currently hold the tiebreaker against, for the number two seed. So on that joyous note, welcome in to another post-game episode, a happy one in this case, of Locked on Rockets. Really, they've all been happy of late, but as always, I appreciate you guys for tuning in. This is the podcast home for daily commentary on everything Houston Rockets basketball, and I'm your host, Ben DuBose, Rockets correspondent with Sports Talk 790, the team's official radio flagship in Houston. Again, as we chat this Sunday evening, the Rockets won their eighth consecutive game. It certainly was not pretty. 94-93 over the Dallas Mavs in Dallas. It was a tough road win, required a lot of grit. It required one of the better defensive efforts of the season from the Rockets. But ultimately, at the end of the day, all that matters is whether you win or you lose. Everything else you work on for another day. So the Rockets clearly not at their best offensively. But if your problems are predominantly James Harden and Chris Paul, I think that's something they will gladly take because those two guys being Hall of Famers, in the case of James Harden, the reigning MVP and most likely the clubhouse leader at this point for this season's MVP, I think there are reasons to believe those are extenuating circumstances, especially in the case of James Harden, who did have 20 points tonight, but was limited, 7 of 25 shooting, picked up 5 fouls in his first 19 minutes, so clearly did not have the usual driving ability because most of his fouls were actually picked up on his way to the bucket. For whatever reason, the officials seemed like they were going to take away any contact on drives, a very chippy uneven game, unpredictable, so it forced Harden into even more of a three-point game. 15 of his 25 shots were from behind the arc, because I don't think he trusted his ability to be able to drive without picking up an offensive foul, especially once he got to five. But the Rockets, they picked up their lack of offense with superior effort on the defensive end, and they found a way to get the win. And when you look at long winning streaks in the NBA, I think back to the 22-gamer, which is the modern record for the Rockets back in 2008. You think back to a game against the Kings in which really it wasn't a particularly good Sacramento team and it took Steve Novak at the buzzer to keep that streak alive. Now, I'm not saying the Rockets are going to reel off 22 or anything like that, but what I'm saying is that even really good teams playing really well, which the Rockets this past week, having beaten the Raptors, the Celtics, the Sixers, this is a Rockets team that's looked really good against upper echelon teams, and at face value, you see a one-point win against a Dallas team that, with the loss, falls to 27-39, and 39, and you might say, well, the Rockets reverted back to old habits. They didn't take the game seriously. 
I don't think that's what happened. Sometimes in the NBA, especially over 82 games, circumstances intervene. Maybe you just have a cold shooting night. Maybe the officials are against you. There's lots of various things that over 82 games can align against you in any given night. And that's why the NBA decides its playoff winners based on seven-game series. Because if it was like March Madness and it was a one-game winner-take-all scenario, all sorts of fluky things would happen. You want to see what happens over seven games because many times that's what it takes for the sample size to even out. And I'm not saying that to give the Rockets just a blank pass. If this continues tomorrow night against the Charlotte Hornets, another relatively mediocre opponent. Now, Wednesday against the the Warriors, clearly, that's a different beast. That should have everybody's A game out or as close to peak effort as you can find. But really, for the foreseeable future, you've got a five-game homestand coming up. The Hornets, the Suns, the Timberwolves, teams like that. I know some Rockets fans are going to see this as similar to a lot of earlier games in the season in which the Rockets either lost or were inexplicably close to teams that should be beneath them talent-wise. And what I would tell you is that that's a mistake. For starters, Dallas is a squad that's beaten the Rockets twice already, once in November, once in December. And with this game on the road in Dallas, once it got close in the second half and James Harden getting five fouls and being taken out of the game 20 seconds into the second half, basically secured that, that Dallas fan base, the players... Trust me, when they see the name Houston on the opposing jersey, they are ready to play. They are motivated. And you couple that with Harden and CP3 both being cold, with James feeling like he couldn't drive because he didn't trust his ability not to pick up the sixth foul. Yeah, even though the Mavs on paper are not as good of a team as the Rockets, in this one individual setting, on this night, especially on that floor, they became more than what the combination of their players and their record suggests they should be. And that's what's going to happen over the balance of 82 games from time to time. Now, that doesn't mean that you can give teams just a blank pass for any time that you struggle to beat or even lose to a bad opponent and say, well, sometimes, you know, every dog has its day. No, but we can look at these individual games, and that's why I believe that it's not really foreboding of eventual doom we talk about this four-game homestand coming up. I thought it was five. It's actually four, but three of the four, Charlotte, Phoenix, Minnesota, teams who should be better than. No, I thought the Rockets took the game pretty seriously, in large part because they allowed Dallas just 93 points. And again, it's their third consecutive game allowing teams below 100 points. And that, to me, is what's most indicative of the effort level. It's actually the first time since early November that the Rockets have held opponents beneath 100 points in three consecutive games. But even back then, I don't think the Rockets' defense was that good. I think it was just a combination of James Harden coming back from the hamstring strain he suffered in late October. That was then a Rockets team that also had Carmelo Anthony. And between the injuries, between the roster composition at the time, they were trying to play slower and holding teams beneath the 100, which is a reflection of what they needed to do at the time to sort of stay afloat. In this situation, it wasn't about pace. It wasn't about there just being a lack of possessions or Houston's offense just grinding the game to a halt. No, the Rockets just locked down and played really solid defense, especially when it mattered. They gave up 54 points in the first half, but they only ended up ahead by four at the break. And then 20 seconds into the second half, as mentioned, James Harden picked up that fifth foul, which basically shut him down for the majority of the third quarter. And even when he did play in the third quarter and the fourth, he clearly did not have the ability on offense or defense to trust that he could play to his full potential and capability without fouling out, 
So in the second half, Houston really locked it down defensively, limiting Dallas to just 39 points, 18 in the third quarter, 21 in the fourth. The communication up and down the roster, P.J. Tucker, Clint Capella, Chris Paul, and even James Harden and Eric Gordon, two guys that are not particularly known for being strong defenders. Harden had a nice poke with five fouls late in the game, got a key strip that went off a driving Dallas player for a turnover. That's a really risky play with five fouls, but he trusted that he could make contact without fouling. He did. And then overall, Paul, Capella, Tucker, in two of those three cases, your veterans, and in the case of Clint Capella, a guy who you've become accustomed to having as your rim protector, your top rebounder, 17 and 12 tonight for Capella in 36 minutes, coming off 18 and 9 on Friday night. He was a little slow coming off the thumb surgery, his first seven games or so out of the All-Star break. The last two, he has been much better, took advantage of a Dallas team that has a lot of, I would say, perimeter depth. You look at Luka Doncic, who had 19, 15, and 9. Jalen Brunson, who had 18 and his potential game winner, fortunately blocked by Chris Paul. Not a lot in the way of bulk on the interior. So it's a matchup where you would like Clint Capella to feast, and he did. But down the stretch, Houston scored just 13 points in the fourth quarter. Harden, in particular, the guy who the Rockets have become accustomed to, for obvious reasons, as their closer, did not really trust himself to go on the drive. And perhaps you can say that he overcompensated the calls, let it get in his head a bit too much. I will get to that in segment two and segment three of our normal three points recap, because this was not a perfect game for the Rockets. But as far as the key takeaway, to me, it's by and large the defense the Rockets played with and... Really, that last possession when Harden missed a runner, Dallas got it, didn't call timeout because they got the ball in Lucas' hands. He drew a second defender, got it to Brunson, who's a pretty quick defender, definitely off the bounce better than a 33-year-old Chris Paul in terms of his lateral movement, and it looked like he would have a step. I rewound it several times. The shot was off, would have won it at the buzzer, but Chris Paul anticipated he knew what was coming, and the shortest player on the floor blocked it, and the Rockets had a walk-off block for their eighth consecutive victory, improving to 41-25. and 25. And really, it's only fitting on a night that they could not throw it in the ocean offensively. Houston, as a team, shot just 36% from the field, 32 of 88, below 31% from three, 16 of 52. James Harden and Chris Paul, your two stars combined, 9 of 36 from the field. That's 25%. Worse than that, 22%. 5 of 23 on their threes. They need to be better. But in a one-game scenario, sometimes stuff like that's going to happen. And it's nice to see that if the Rockets' fastball isn't working, that's their league-best offense and their two Hall of Fame guards with Chris Paul and James Harden, that there are other ways that they can win games. And that's not to say that Dallas is the best competition they're going to face. No, not by a long shot. But if this were two months ago, I don't care who you played. And this is not a bad Dallas team by any means. They're not good, but they've been competitive. There's a reason the Rockets have beaten them twice, or or that Dallas has beaten the Rockets twice, excuse me. And with Luka in his rookie year continuing to improve in that gym with a fan base that's rabid and extremely motivated to beat the Rockets, this easily could have been a loss. A month or two ago, I think it would have been. But the Rockets, even on a night that they didn't have their best stuff, they found a way defensively. I thought Tucker played some tremendous defense on Luka. I mentioned his stat line overall, 19-15-9, but he was just 5 of 16 from the field. I thought Tucker's defense, Capella at the rim. And then a game in which fouls got thrown out like candy. Capella at the rim was able to defend, had his 12 rebounds and a couple of big blocks late in the game. Ended up with just three fouls in his 36 minutes. So Capella's ability to 
defend without fouling. Tucker's ability to switch out even onto a guard in Lucas' case. I know he's not quite as quick twitch as some, but we've seen what he can do in his rookie year in which he's been outstanding. And then Chris Paul, the anticipation. He's done a lot just overall since his return of helping out the Rockets' leaky transition defense. But even in a half-court setting, I know he's 33 years old. He hasn't moved side to side as well as he used to. But when you can anticipate the way he does, you can overcome a heck of a lot. And that was on full display the last possession of the game when he knew what Jalen Brunson was going to do. Even though Brunson's over 10 years younger and much springier, much quicker at the same time, when you read the play, as Chris Paul did, knowing the clock helped with that, he was ready at even being the smallest player on the floor, not having the hops he did at one point in his career, he got the block. So my thoughts on this game, and as we wrap up segment one, we'll talk about some things that went wrong in segment two, but off the top, to me, it's a game you, sh- you should celebrate. Now, if this continues, sure, you can be concerned, because this level of offensive effort is not going to be enough to beat the Golden State Warriors four times out of seven, and probably not even enough to beat most teams in the Western Conference four times out of seven. But if your problems are James Harden and Chris Paul, that's probably going to be fine, especially in the case of James Harden. There was just some fluky stuff that happened in this game. Tonight, I think, rather than worry about that, especially because it's so correctable, I think you should feel really good that the Rockets, in a game in which so many things went wrong, they found a way to win without their best stuff, just sheer grit, determination, defense, bearing down, Three straight games holding opponents below 100 points, longest streak since early November, and in my opinion, by far their best streak of the year in terms of how they've looked defensively through the All-Star break. They were 25th in the league in defensive rating. Since then, entering tonight, they were number 7, and I would guess that only would improve, if anything, after tonight, which they allowed just 93 points for the game. This has been the healthiest they have looked on that side all season long. Do I believe they are quite as good as they've looked over this current eight-game winning streak in nine since the All-Star break? I don't know. The truth is probably somewhere in between, but we've said all season long, if they're just a middle-of-the-pack defense, their offense, especially with James Harden doing what he has done this year, may be enough, especially with the Warriors showing more flaws and more vulnerability than ever before, to get them a ring. The defense just needs to at least not sink them. And tonight, not only did the defense not sink them, it actually saved them. So no, it wasn't a perfect game. No, the Mavs are not a great opponent, although I think there were a lot of circumstances, especially the building they were playing in, the fan base, those types of things, that made them a more daunting opponent than you would think. If the problems continue for longer than just the 48 minutes that happened in Dallas, sure, it's fair to worry about them. Tonight, though, I think it's one to celebrate. The Rockets, a team known all season long for their offense, they found a way to win it with defense. So in an eight-game streak that's been defined by their ability to find consistency on both ends of the floor, it's only symbolic that finally they win a game almost exclusively because of their defensive output. For one night, I think you can celebrate that, Rockets fans. You can put off your concerns about the other end for at least another 24 hours. Jumping back into Sunday night's recap of the 94-93 when the Rockets posted over the Mavs, I mentioned closing out segment one that you could put off the concerns for another 24 hours or so regarding the sluggish offense, just 13 points in the fourth quarter, 36 in the second half, 94 for the game because of the fact that, well, there's another game just 24 hours from now. So as far as whether any of these things are more concerning than just a one-game write-off, well, we'll have another game within 24 hours to actually get a better handle on that. For now, I think a lot of it clearly is related to just fluky, circumstantial things. The Rockets' offense in the 94-93 win, clearly not where it needs to be. 
But this was a weird, weird game that happens from time to time over the grind of 82. First off, the Rockets will get Kenneth Fareed back tomorrow. This was a game in which I thought the Rockets clearly could have used Fareed, his hustle, his energy, his motor. The game got chippy. They couldn't necessarily trust Harden on the drives because of how they were calling any slight bit of contact against him. Again, five fouls in just his first 19 minutes. So you could have used another quick twitch guy, putbacks, those types of things. Well, Fareed, after missing the last week and a half, ever since the Charlotte game, which was just the third of this current eight-game streak, according to Mike D'Antoni, he comes back tomorrow. They could have used him tonight. Fortunately, they found a way to get a win by any means necessary, survive in advance without him. As far as what went wrong, clearly I think it corresponds mostly with James Harden. Now, Chris Paul is in a funk, but I'm not too worried about it because of how he's moving. We saw the block at the end of the game, the play we referenced several times, the walk-off block. You can find it on my Twitter timeline, at Ben Dubose. He doesn't do that if his hamstring is hurting him. And with Chris, my main concern is whether he's moving fine. I know he's had three games in a row when he hasn't shot well. His last two going into tonight, Sunday he was 2 of 11, the two before that, 1 of 10, 2 of 8. So the raw numbers aren't pretty, and it's three games in a row in which he's been in single digits, and he needs to be better than that. I'm not too concerned at this point, number one, because he came out off of the All-Star break playing so well. And secondly, it's not like it's corresponding with, say, a decline in how he's moving. It looks, quite frankly, like a slump. Players go through it from time to time. If it was taking a toll on his minutes, he played 33 tonight. On his defensive intensity, clearly it did not. In addition to the game-saving block, he had two blocks overall, two steals, didn't get into foul trouble. He looks fine. He's pushing off well. And he had several shots tonight that were halfway down and popped out. That happens. Now, if that continues for too long and three games does alarm me a little bit, it can become concerning. Because even players that aren't going through a funk, at some point you need to see the ball go through the rim. If you see the ball, even if you're shooting it well, pop out time after time, at some point it can get in your head. But that's where Chris Paul, 33 years old, his 14th year of the NBA, you just have to trust that he's going to keep shooting. And he trusts that as long as his process is right, his mechanics, his health, that eventually the shots are going to fall. In these last three games, fortunately the Rockets have won all of the three. Does Chris need to shoot better? Yes, but I don't really notice anything different in terms of how he's moving compared to the stretch before that. I think it's just a fluky stretch, and hopefully the Rockets have a lot of games coming up. It's a three- and four-night stretch, really. They play tomorrow night again at home against Charlotte, then Wednesday at home against the Warriors. Hopefully, over a longer sample, the shooting will even out. If it doesn't, we can have another discussion. At this point, though, on a night in which Chris Paul literally won the game on a walk-off block and has looked so strong defensively, also before he had the walk-off block, the one bucket the Rockets made late in the game was a three from P.J. Tucker. That was assisted on from Chris Paul, who had nine in the game, because he was the one that drove into the paint and collapsed the defense, with Harden struggling so much to do that. Luka's a long defender that made him second-guess himself a little bit. More than anything, though, I thought it was just James not trusting the officiating. It got into his head a little bit. So when it mattered, Chris Paul made the plays in the final two minutes on both ends. And even though it was ugly for Chris, nine points on just two of 11 shooting, again, he did have nine assists and, of course, the winning block. So as far as he is concerned, I'm not going to label it as anything after tonight, especially given what he did in other aspects of the games besides shooting that you should be overly concerned about. James Harden, I think tonight's pretty clear. The Rockets went as James Harden went. The first half of the game, they scored 58 points. The defense could have been a little bit better. They gave up 54, and they fouled too often in the first half of the game. Fortunately, they fixed that in the second half. 
Dallas had 22 points, uh, or 22 free throw attempts, excuse me, in the first half, had just five in the second. So the de- the discipline on the defensive end got a ton better. I thought on the offensive end of the floor, it flowed very well out of the shoot, 25 in the first quarter, 33 points in the second. And then once James Harden went out 20 seconds into the second half, because with five fouls, I don't care how much you trust James Harden, you're not going to play anybody with five fouls and nearly 24 minutes left in the game. Well, you're not going to be good with the MVP not in the game. That's just how it works as far as the Rockets and how dependent they are on him for their offense. And then when he did come back in the game, he was clearly much more reliant on the three-point shot. Again, 15 of his 25 attempts were from behind the arc. And as far as free throws, he was not getting any calls. Everything seemed to go against him on his drives. Had just three free throw attempts for the game, Harden did, while being called for numerous offensive fouls. Any contact at all went against him. We can throw out our theories all we want. He certainly got in more foul trouble since he called out Scott Foster. We can speculate on this all night. The reality is that Harden, he didn't play for a stretch in the second half, and then when he did, he clearly did not trust himself to play to his full capabilities for fear of potentially fouling out. There's lots of angles had the Rockets lost this game that we could have dissected and wondered how it got to that point. At this stage, I don't really see the point in going down that road. I think you just celebrate that the Rockets got the win, even with James Harden struggling on the offensive end in the second half. Again, most teams, if you take away a player that impactful and basically make him a non-factor between not playing and then taking away his ability to drive, it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be easy to generate offense in other ways. Fortunately, the Rockets were able to survive. And as far as will it continue, I think we've had 65 games of evidence before tonight that James Harden is pretty damn good. He'll adjust, he'll move on, and it'll be as simple really as his foul clock resetting to zero once the game begins on Monday night against the Hornets. So James needs to be better. Chris needs to be better. With Chris, I'm a little more concerned because it's three straight games of subpar shooting. But in terms of his defense, his assists, the other things he's doing, he's playing just fine. He's moving well. He looks healthy. With James, it's pretty clearly a one-off. There were a lot of weird circumstances in this game. That happens over 82. It's a funky sport. As far as how I would look at it, be thrilled that the Rockets, even with both James Harden and Chris Paul not playing that well, 25% from the field, below 22% from three, the Rockets team that's been the best in the league on offense and yet for so much of this year has been curtailed by a defense that's been bottom five, they were not good on offense tonight, and they still found a way to win on the road because their defense lifted them. So to me, even though it was too close, and should this be replicated again tomorrow night at home against the Hornets, on Friday against the Suns, next Sunday against the Timberwolves, we can worry about that if and when it comes. For now, I think you take it with a smile. You say, hey, this was a bleep happens night, and the Rockets, a team that struggled so much on the defensive end all season long, actually found a way to win a tough road game nearly 99%, I would say, because of their defense. So I would sum this up by saying bleep happens, smile, enjoy it, roll your eyes, however you want to do it, and come back tomorrow, it resets, and my guess at that point, James Harden and Chris Paul will be back to being themselves. Final thoughts as we close out Sunday evening's show, our recap of the 94-93 win the Rockets posted over the Mavs. The first segment we discussed, the defense would allow the Rockets to overcome a gritty game Dallas Mavs squad. Boy, those fans hate Houston, especially when they're playing in that gym 
and the Rockets defensively found a way. Their communication has been so much better of late. P.J. Tucker's defense on Luka was tremendous. Clint Capella near the bucket, 17-12, and 12, stayed out of foul trouble, in a, even in a game that was so uneven and chippy from an officiating perspective. So many positives to build on from that standpoint. And the Rockets actually, in terms of rebounding, get more reinforcements tomorrow because Kenneth Free comes back. Tonight, part of the reason the Mavs were able to stay in it, they had a 51-41 rebounding advantage. Well, hopefully the Rockets getting a lot more springy tomorrow with Kenneth Fareed's return. Now, Nene will sit out on the second night of a back-to-back. Overall, though, Nene does not play the minutes that Fareed does. Fareed is someone you picked up to help in terms of your defensive deficiencies, especially from a rebounding perspective. And before he went out, you're starting to play him alongside Clint Capella. So Dallas stayed in the game in large part because guys like Dwight Powell, they got so many second-chance points just from hanging around. Luka had 15 rebounds himself, just a lot of length. Fareed comes back tomorrow, so if there was any weakness on the defensive end, they didn't really secure as many loose balls as you would like, well, Kenneth Fareed comes back tomorrow after a week and a half absence, that should clean it up. We discussed segment two, the offensive woes, they scored just 94 points, and that's the reason why, even with the defense holding Dallas to 93 in their gym, they still had to survive with a walk-off block in the final second from Chris Paul. And as far as the offense goes, look, if James Harden and Chris Paul shoot a combined 25% from the field and 22% from three-point range, there just aren't enough alternative options to have a great offense. Now, they can survive, which they did, and I'll close out the show by giving credit to the one guy who, especially in the first half of that game, helped them stay afloat, and that's Eric Gordon, 26 points, 10 of 20 from the field, 5 of 13 from 3. Now, I know the 3-point stroke did tail off towards the end of the game, and I wish he would have made a couple, but over the course of the game, if Eric Gordon is going to score 26 on 10 of 20 from the field, and even missing 8 of his 13 threes, first off, he made nearly 39%, so it's still a good percentage, much better than season-long clip of the low 30s. And then overall, to see him go 5 of 7 inside the arc, 26 points on 20 shots, getting the foul line just 2 times, but making five of seven, that shows you that in the game in which, again, the, the contact, the whistles were very inconsistent. He didn't get a lot of benefit of the doubt, and he was able to attack. He made plays that way. He made his threes, especially in the early going. That's a big part of how the Rockets put up 58 in the first half. This is just such a perfect example of how lethal the Rockets are when Eric Gordon is a good basketball player. On a night in which James Harden shot 7 of 25, Chris Paul shot 2 of 11, Harden had five fouls 19 minutes into the game. This was as crazy, as ridiculous a game as you could throw out there in terms of random circumstances. Harden finished with just 20 points, which is his lowest in a very, very long time. In fact, give me a second. Let's look this up. Harden's game log. The 20 points he scored tonight. Again, this is a guy who just set the second longest streak in NBA history. 32 consecutive games scoring... 30-plus points, it's the lowest point total he's had since December 6th at Utah. The game the Rockets were humiliated, down by 35 midway through the third quarter. James played just 28 minutes in that game, shot 5 of 16. With James scoring 20 points, being 7 of 25, in extreme foul trouble, and so many things going wrong. No, the Rockets didn't have Chris Paul, their other Hall of Famer, pick them up. He shot just 2 of 11. And yet the Rockets still won the game. A lot of that has to do with defense. And I led with that because it's so new. 
We've talked a lot about Eric Gordon of late, and really we should be giving more credit to the defense. Their communication is better. Clint Capella's return has helped that. Jeff Bestelic has done a whale of a job making adjustments and getting better suited to his personnel. I think he was a little bit sluggish, missing training camp this year, trying to adjust on the fly. There's been lots of wrinkles defensively to discuss. As far as the offensive end of the floor, we've discussed it, but yet again, it's a theme. If Eric Gordon gives you 26 points on 50% shooting, boy, even with James Harden and Chris Paul being nowhere near their best, the Rockets still won on the road. So just imagine what they can do when James Harden and Chris Paul play like themselves. Again, that's how valuable Eric Gordon is. I don't want to spend too much time on it because we've gone through it a lot in our prior shows. You can certainly access more of those in our archives at LockedOnRockets.com. But I'll say it again. If the Rockets are healthy with their big three, and even though they weren't at their best tonight, Harden, Chris Paul, Clint Capella, they were all out there. If you have that version of Eric Gordon, they are lethal. They are so tough to beat. Even on a night that so many things went wrong, Kenneth Fareed, Still out injured. Iman Shumpert played just five minutes. He's in a funk, did not play at all in the second half. He's struggling to gain traction, and he's running out of time because now we're within two weeks of the date, March 24th, that Daniel House, even under his existing contract, is eligible to be recalled to the Rockets. So Shumpert needs to play better in a hurry. Played five first half minutes. Was not good. Austin Rivers and Gerald Green. It's been a good week for them. Tonight it was not. Gerald just three of 13. Austin one of four. Combined just four of 17. The bench, other than Nene, all had negative differentials in the plus-minus. So many extenuating circumstances, and yet with Eric Gordon playing that well and the defense being committed, those are things that if the Rockets can get that level of defense and that version of Eric Gordon, it's amazing what their margin of error is. We've talked throughout the year about issues with the depth and injuries and how it compromises your margin of error. This is the opposite. If you have this level of defensive intensity and focus, and this version of Eric Gordon, you can have so many other things go wrong, even on the road, and be able to win. So to me, as far as variables, watch the defensive performance and watch Eric Gordon. If those play the way they did tonight, nine times out of ten, you're probably going to be fine. And that's why the Rockets have won their last eight consecutive games and now improved to 41-25 and 25 alone in third place in the Western Conference and just three games back in the loss column, currently holding the tiebreaker of the Denver Nuggets, for that two slot. So on that positive note, that's where we'll wrap it on this Sunday evening, especially because you can't dwell on this game for too long because there's another one coming just 24 hours from now. So until our next show recapping that game, this is where we will break off. If you want more content before the next show, the best place to get it is on Twitter. I'm on there at Ben Dugos. The show is on there at Lockton Rockets. And you can also follow Lockton NBA Net if you want outside commentary from other hosts on our great Lockton Podcast Network talking about the Rockets or the teams that they cover. Also, if you have not subscribed to the program already, please do. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Megaphone, Spotify, wherever you like to listen to your podcast, your music, your media, the odds are you can find this because we're part of a great network of shows at the Lockdown Podcast Network, local experts across the NBA, NFL, and expanding into Major League Baseball. So you can find this wherever you listen, even smart speakers, voice assistant providers, just say play podcast Lockdown Rockets, you can find us there as well. Any of those places, though, if you would, A, listen, because certainly that's one way that I hope you can get in contact and keep staying in touch with the show. Beyond that, though, if you would subscribe and leave five-star reviews, that's how you get the benefit of getting episodes even before I post them to my Twitter feed, and I get the benefit with your subscription and hopefully your five-star review of making the show look attractive to potential advertisers and keeping the business model rolling as the only daily podcast covering Houston Rockets basketball. And if you want to go a step beyond that, 
feel free to email LockedInRockets at gmail.com and I can put you in touch with our advertising reps because we can help grow your business as well. Got some great introductory specials. And beyond that, LockedInRockets at gmail.com. Even if you can't advertise, then you got questions about the team, suggestions for the show. Don't hesitate to reach out to me about those things as well because I would absolutely love to hear from you and to try and make this show as quality as we can for you, the diehard Rockets fan. Once again, a happy final from Dallas on this Sunday night. Rockets 94, Mavs 93. It's the eighth consecutive victory for the Rockets, who improved to 41-25, and a season-best 16 games over 500, back in action Monday night at home against the Charlotte Hornets. How sweet it is. Enjoy the start to your week, and please come back soon for more episodes and more recaps right here at Lockdown Rockets, your home for daily podcast commentary on the National Basketball Association's hottest basketball team.